0: Welcome back to Epilogues, an unpacking of the weekly Haftarah. You are listening to Rabbi Yaakov Trump. This week we're going to be addressing the Haftarah of Pashas Vayishlach. This is the Haftarah which it contains, the only Haftarah to contain an entire book of Nach, perhaps with the exception of the afternoon of Yom Kippur's Haftarah, where it includes the book of Yonah. The book that we're going to be studying today is the book of Avadia. It is a one-chapter sefer in Nach. It is found in the Treasar and what's called the 12 Minor Prophets. Minor not because of their level of prophecy, but minor in the sense that their books are shorter. Ovadia is 21 sukim in length, and that's the Aptorah that we're dealing with, and it's broken down into three basic sections. The first nine psukim just uh, talking about the destruction of Edom, the next psukim so from um, Yud to Yudalad talking about the rebuke of mishandling Israel. And finally, Tesav to Chavalev, 15 to 21, is about the salvation of Israel. A few basic questions. Number one is, who is Ovadia? So, Ovadia actually is mentioned a number of times in Tanakh. Um, um, there are two Ovadias that appeared actually in the same era. So, we know from Tvera Yom Mbez, Yud Zayn, Pasuk Zion, that there was a um, Ovadia who was a official, of King Jehoshaphat in the kingdom of Judea. Whereas in Melachim Aleph, we hear about a Ovadia who is a Yoray Shemaim, a fearer of heaven, who looked, Yoray Estevar, as Hashem he was feared heaven greatly, and we're told that he, in fact, saved the prophets during the terrible era of Decree, where Izebel, Jezebel was the, uh, the queen, and she had a campaign against the prophets of God, was eradicating them, and he saved a hundred of them in, and sustained them on his own credit, therefore thereby actually impoverishing himself in his future as a, uh, as a result of this. So, And they lived at the same time, one in the north and one in the south. So the, these are possibilities of actually the name that is mentioned elsewhere in Tanakh. The primary focus of the South interestingly enough, is Edom. Who is Edom? Well, in the Torah, and this is why it is connected to parashas v'ayishlach um, predominantly, um, which is a showdown between Yaakov and Esav, Edom refers to Esav. Esav is the brother of Yaakov, and Yaakov negotiated with him, tricked him, ran from him, appeased him, and blessed him. We have this the entire um, story moving from told to Vayese, to Vayeshach, this climax now leads to this focus on Edom as well. Um, it's a, it seems to be a seesaw effect, as uh, that there seems to be one in power when the other one is not in power, as Rivka was prophesized to at the beginning when she had that conflict in her womb. She was told that there's going to be a one will be mightier than the other, and that's going to be always at conversely, uh, inversely proportional um, times. Um, as a nation, who is Edom as a nation? Well, that's a little more complex. The area that Edom occupies, which was the area of Seir, which Esau conquered, is towards the south area of the country Jordan today. So that's the southeast um, area of um, or where uh, across the Jordan where Israel is today below the Dead Sea and that's sort of the area where Petra those uh, the, uh, people are going sightseeing, that area is where Edom was um, it is interesting that there are many prophecies about Israel taking back his land at the end of days Har Esav refers to the, uh, the mountains of Esav in that area where they used to be predominant um, it is interesting that during the times of Yehoshaphat and Ahav when these two Avadias were in power um, when these two avadias lived, at least the w- w- that we see in Tanakh, um, it was a period in which it was the end of the colonization of that area. When David Melech, um conquered the area surrounding Israel, Edom was one of the nations that was subsidiary to the nation of Israel, paid taxes, was not allowed their own king, and, um, and it was during this period of time of Ahav and Jehoshaphat that that um, subservience was being questioned and their uh, independence was being formed. So there's an, certainly an element which is related as well to that as well. However, it seems that Edom takes on a bigger role. That Edom seems to symbol, symbolize evil in nations, perhaps because of his closeness. In fact, so the Sifrei famously says that Edom in fact equals Rome, and this is the, the the final the final battle between the expression of the ideology of Yaakov and Esav, which is in our parsha is expressed here as well. Which leads us to the question: Is why would Ovadia, this prophet, um, um, give a prophecy about this bigger picture. When he, that wasn't really what he was living, Edom wasn't the main issue of the time. It wasn't. So yes, there was certainly we'll call it uh, call it uh, tension in the co- the colonies, but it wasn't a. Uh, I mean, it wasn't seen as the, the main issue, the existential issue of the of the days. But the Gemara asks this question. Sanhedrin Daf Lamitesim, and Beis, and the Gemara uh, the Gemara says Chazon Ovadia. It says Ovadia What is he, Why is he talking about Edom? So Gmar presents a couple options where Rabbi Yitzhak says, So that uh, the idea is that Ovadia lived at a very difficult time. He had very bad neighbors. That's Achav and Izevel. And nonetheless, he did what was right. He saved the prophets. So uh, this is a ketruk. It is a, um, a really a claim on Asaf who lived between two tzaddikim, and nevertheless, never learned from their actions. There's another possibility raised in the Gemara that's Ephraim Makshaah, where um, the Talmud of Rabbi Meir said, in the name of Rabbi Meir, that Avadia Ger Adami Hoyah. In fact, he came from the nation of Edom. And the, the Gemara then creates a, a, a quotes an idiom which has been made famous by a Matiz song, which is that um, the omri industry people say, Avo, be That from the for, with from the within the forest itself comes the, the handle of the axe. So is it meaning to say, he is going to be the, the tool of destruction of the Edomites as a function of the fact that he was the he came from them as well. Um, it is worthwhile noting that in uh, that in the Toldos Israel, Doctor Zev Yavetz and many academics suggest that perhaps the Avadi we're talking about is not the Avadi mentioned in Tanakh. Could have been an Avadi at the times of Yirmiyah, which relates much more to the times of destruction um, of the Beis which is which is perhaps more thematic to what he's talking about. Um, let's take a look, look very briefly inside. So we hear at the beginning it's called a Chazon Ovadia. This is called prophecy. Chazon is one of the w- words that relates to the sight. This is the vision of Ovadia. And uh, we're and he says that, he says, I've heard this saying, shmo Shemano. What's this, the, the saying? V'tsir b'goyim sholach. Tzir is sometimes translated as an ambassador. I an mean, ambassador was sent to among, among the other nations. And what is it? It was, uh, the, the, the message? Hine koton b'goyim od. I've made you small among the nations. You've been very disgraced, and you and you're going to be m- misled by the aspirations of your heart, because you should know. Even if you go high like the eagle, if you're going to make your nesting place among the stars, don't just realize I'm going to bring you down. There's going to be a, a time limit for your success as well. And Akash Boruch describes that on those days that no matter how arrogant you're going to be, I'm going to destroy you. I'm going to destroy your wisdom. Your wise people, I'm going to stop the the terrible things that you're doing in the world. So just a few basic questions. What is this Tzir that is sent to the nations? What's this ambassador to the nations? Rabbi explains. Rabbi Benel sees this very much as a as a description of the of, of Europe um, during the time that he lives, which is around the, four, the, the end of the 1400s, beginning of the 1500s. He says that Christianity will conquer Jerusalem as one of its holy sites and it will take it from Egypt, and it will kill many Muslims, and the many Muslim countries will converge around Jerusalem in retaliation. So we're talking about a war between East and West, between two different monotheistic religions, and this is very much contemporary to what the Abba was witnessing, because if you remember, the Abba lived through the... Spanish expulsion of the Jews, and it's a worthwhile understanding that that Spanish expulsion of Jews was, did not come in a vacuum. It was the culmination of a war effort against the Moors, as the Catholic, or that there was only there was only Catholicism at the time, um, as Christianity was clearing the Iberian Peninsula of the Moors. And fueling the war effort was the Jew was a lot of the Jewish money, which was part of the reason for the expulsion was to be able to capitalize on the rest of that and to clean the Iberian Peninsula of both the, the the non-believers, whether they be Muslim or Jews. And there was a belief that at the turn of the century, in the 1500s, Christ- the Christians would once again send another crusade under Isabella and Ferdinand to the Holy Land to reclaim Jerusalem. And this was really the talk of the time, this sort of this pre-Messianic feeling within Christianity. Um, the return of their Savior was this, was, this was predominantly talked about at that time. And the Bible now understands that this is what's being referred to in the Haftarah as well. Um, it could also be you know, around this this idea seems to replay itself around World War one when the East and the West are fighting over um, the holy places in um, in the Middle East, and so there's the slow re- reclaim, uh, reclaiming from the colonization of the West from the from the powers of Islam. It's worthwhile noting that if you read about the first Crusades. And we talk about that the Crusaders first arrived in Jerusalem and it was Jew and Muslim fighting side by side against the Crusaders and they were killed side by side in Jerusalem. It's so very interesting to look at this history. Now, what does it mean that they are small? This nation is small. The Guaravata Zorodaf Yudamot Aleph tells us that the the, nation, the the Romans didn't create their own culture. They just um, essentially um, re, uh, reused the culture around them, around them as well. Um, Rashi um, descri- describes that once that, that they're vanquished as well, it's worthwhile thinking about uh, the Dr. Schneider uh, um, Schneer-Lyman has a very beautiful sheer on this way, the topic of how Christian culture or the Ro- R- Roman culture itself um, was a was an uh, was a exporting an element of Judaism itself within a corrupted fashion. And while that was very fascinating topic in and of itself, Darabar, Darabar points out that there they are a small country, but the people who came from it came to came to Italy and they dominated the whole world. So it started really from original Edomites, and those are the people who laid seed for Italy turning into the into uh, and and Greece into the dominions that they were as well it seems like in this this first section that there although there was a first round of battle Edom was not wiped out fully whether it's the land of Edom whether it's this nation of Edom or or Rome it was attacked and 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 burned numerous times but it was never really vanquished as we see what happened with Rome itself and then they will only be fully cut down in the future the second section is about the mishandling of Israel we hear about um how the um, because you you um, you you did not take note, you did not you were not there, you sort of you uh, um, hid yourself from the the anger of your brother or what was going on with your brother, that's gonna be held against you. You saw them coming to Jerusalem and you did nothing, you didn't do anything as well. It's um, <clears throat> a lot of a lot of a lot of criticism on that front as well. So therefore, don't, you're not going to be able to return because of this this betrayal. You seem to be a brother, and because you're a brother, you have the responsibility of acting like a brother. And yet you didn't. Um, when did this actually occur? So Ibn says it was around the destruction of the first base of Middash, when the Edomites really did not come to join the alliance with with uh, with Israel, um, with Judea. The Radak says it's later on. It's referring to when the Rome the Romans conquered. Um Israel, at the times is of bias shani The Bible now says it may be both, since because the elements of of, of 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 them in both of these times, and they're seen as whether they're the perpetrator or that they're a bystander, they are they are considered more um, responsible, culpable because of their relationship to us as well. It's worthwhile reading the, the annals of the destruction of the second Beis Hamikdash. As is described in Josephus' and understanding, there was this interesting episode that happened with the Idumeans, who, uh, who on the one hand were an ally of Israel but ended up um, conquering the city just before the Romans came and uh, killing the last Coingodal, um in a, in a sense to protect the city but ultimately led to the full, the, the full anarchy of the city under the Zealots. Which which led to the fall before the Romans. Worthwhile thinking about that as an, another another place as well. And finally, in the in the section three, we hear about the final battle. We hear about Yom Hashem al Hakolagoy. There's going to be a day of battle against all the nations, and and, and this is and it's going to sounds like it's going to surround Har Tzion, the Mount Zion, which is the mountain adjacent to Har I mean, it's often used as a metaphor for the base of English but it's actually the adjacent mountaintop it's the mountain top where most of the Jewish quarter is on is what is actually where Harzion is today and, um, There's going to be a there's going to be there's going to be a refuge over there it's going to be the house of Jacob is fire the house of Joseph is the is the spark and the house of um, Asaf is the Straw, and it's going to be that Yosef is going to be the spark which leads from the fire to the straw, and that will uh, catalyze everything that will go on there afterwards. Rashi quotes this famously that this is the reason why Yaakov, felt comfortable going back to his land when Yosef was born because he knew that Yosef was this protection agency or this aggression aggression agency as well. And finally, uh, Kodesh Baruch describes the Galus Echel this this exile which began Yisrael Asher Kenanim Galus Yerushalayim Asher Bitzvarad HaNegev. They'll all come back to Israel from all the places they were. And uh, finally, finally and famously, the Pasuk is, mm-hmm. the, those, those saviors will come to Harsion to, to judge the mountain of Esau, and it'll be dominion to HaKadosh Baruch When is this final battle taking place? So Ezra says it could be when Nebuchadnezzar battles Edom after the fall of Judea and exiles them and they never really return, as described in Malachi. The Radak says it could be later on in the 2nd Basin Elisha in the times of Huracanus, when he reprised the Romans. Um, uh, Babanel says these are too short-sighted. It's referring to the final battle against Christianity um, in the future, um, the Judaism and Christianity itself. Now, um, what does it mean that Yosef will be the spark? Babinell says there'll be an element of kibbutz galiot. There'll be, there'll be this uh, idea of all the different exiles coming in to, to Israel and coming together. Um, the, this is seen gen- generally mystically as the idea of Mashiach Ben Yosef, the precursor to the Mashiach Ben David. Rav Cook actually very st- strongly noted that it could be that Theodore Herzl was uh, was w- an element of the Mashiach Ben Yosef, the, an idea of the person who brought back so many Jews to the land of Israel, even without we'll call it the spiritual spark, but uh, by the material spark, which is the precursor, that's going to be the first stage of the stage of the Gula as well. What does it mean, what's his business with all these says, If you read the Pasuk, it, it really is actually literal. It's referring to, If you look at the, the names, Sarfas and Svarad, refers to Spain and France. He says that, uh, and he says these refer to the actual places that the Jews would be in all the nations of the world. And they will now come back against all their persecutions, the Autod the inquisitions, the all the terrible, terrible the expulsions, the terrible things that Jews have been through in every exile, they'll finally be recompensed. And finally, is going to refer to when the nation of Israel will, will come back to Herzian and take it back again from the dominion of the world. The Baronel uh, thinks, of course, this refers to Rome, but it could mean, perhaps metaphorically, to more. And this comes back to our parasha, because, in the end, um, Esav makes the proposition after he makes peace with Yaakov. He says, "Let's go together." And ya- and Yaakov refers, "No, uh, we can't do this." My master knows. The children are soft. The children are are weak. And uh, Rashi explains that he's not referring to at the time now he's referring to in the future he says there's going to come a time where you're going to want to make an alliance you're going to want to be the same you're going to want to want to want to converge cultures and Yaakov you know, says it doesn't work because of the because of our education because of our future we're going to, that battle will have to still be fought we still need our separateness and this is part of what the ancient prophecy of avadia which still resonates in today's day and age have a wonderful meaningful day and beautiful shabbos